Hey everybody, I'm Jenny Stone and you're listening to Season 7, Episode 15 of HR Rescue, Microaggressions in the Workplace. If this is your first time listening, welcome. The HR Rescue podcast provides business owners, new HR professionals, and HR Department of One with solutions and guidance on some of the most common HR issues. You can find us at hr-rescue.com and come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Now let's get into today's episode. Many incidents of workplace discrimination take the form of microaggressions. In order to ensure a truly inclusive workplace culture, take steps to prevent these incidents from occurring. A microaggression is an action or incident that is indirect, subtle, and possibly unintentional that communicates some sort of bias against a member of a historically marginalized group. Today, we'll be sharing steps that you can take to reduce the risk of microaggressions and respond when they occur. Step one, recognize a microaggression. Microaggressions are frequently brief, so they're typically overlooked or glossed over as harmless. Often there may be no ill intent behind a microaggression, but that does not make it any less damaging to the person on the receiving end. Left unchecked, microaggressions can negatively impact an organization's culture and undermine its inclusion and retention efforts. Examples of microaggressions include, during a virtual interview, a white interviewer says to a black applicant, you're so well-spoken, implying that speaking well was somehow a surprise. Or a coworker says to an Asian employee, you must be good at math, stereotyping all Asians as innately skilled at math based solely on race. A heterosexual employee says to their transgender colleague, you don't look transgender, insinuating that this is undesirable. A manager telling a female or minority employee, that was better than I expected, implying not much was expected or male coworkers ignoring or talking over a point that a female colleague raises at a meeting, sending the message that her opinion is not valued. Some individuals do not recognize that they are conveying bias towards members of underrepresented groups through these comments or these actions. Step two, create a safe and inclusive culture. Employees who have experienced microaggressions should be made to feel comfortable coming forward or else the issue will persist. There should be a culture where employees can approach a supervisor or a coworker one-on-one -on -one to discuss the microaggression without fear of repercussions. A supervisor or coworker should not be defensive when a microaggression they may have committed is brought to their attention. Above all, they should listen and show empathy. This means allowing the employee to explain without interruption why what was said or done made them feel uncomfortable. In addition, the supervisor or coworker should offer a genuine apology and express appreciation to the employee for speaking up. A negative response, even if the supervisor did not make the comment in question, could be an additional microaggression that adversely affects the employee and makes them feel disengaged from the team. Examples to avoid include, well, they didn't meet anything by it. Don't be so sensitive. Or they were just joking. These types of comments create doubt in the employee who experienced the microaggression and can invalidate their experience. It may lead to the employee feeling like their concerns are not taken seriously, affect their productivity, and harm their mental health. 
in a situation in which the supervisor is the microaggressor and the member of the underrepresented group fears approaching them, there should be an environment where the employee knows how to contact HR to discuss the issue or to report the incident anonymously. The situation should not be ignored. An employer also must take a hard look as to whether its team consistently is mostly of the same employees of the same race, age, or gender. If so, this could be an indication of bias in the hiring process, and the employer should consider ways to further diversify its team. Step three, train the team. Even diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives with the best of intentions will fail if microaggressions are left unaddressed. It's crucial to train supervisors to ensure they understand what constitutes a microaggression and avoid making such comments or gestures. Managers and supervisors may unwittingly be engaging in some of these cases, making it crucial to train them on how to recognize and avoid microaggressions, how to properly confront microaggressions, for example, hold aggressor accountable while making it a learning opportunity through conversation, the harmful impact that microaggressions may have on employees, including reduced engagement, hostility, negative feelings about work, and how to lead from the front, exhibit inclusive behaviors in their speech and thought. Unconscious bias training for both managerial and non-managerial employees may help and should include concrete examples to raise awareness, such as those I mentioned in step one. Unconscious biases are quick, judgments that tend to be exhibited toward employees based on factors such as race, gender, sexual orientation, national origin, religion, disability, and more. While training is no, by no means a complete solution, it can provide employees with a better understanding of comments and actions that may negatively affect members of un underrepresented groups. Step four, respond to microaggressions. As part of addressing microaggressions, an employer should educate its workforce so these incidents do not recur. In doing so, it's important to separate intent from impact. For instance, a manager or HR professional might note that an employee may not have realized that a comment that they said was hurtful and what the reason is. So helping the employee who made the comment understand the other person's point of view and ensure that they're not under attack for their comment. If microaggressions persist, the employer must determine if there's a pattern with the same repeat offenders. If there is a pattern, the employer should explain how employees can elevate their concerns and discuss the issue with a supervisor or someone on the HR team if needed. Step five, encourage allyship. Employees who are offended by a microaggression should not feel alone. Silence by those who witness a microaggression may communicate a tactic of approval for the behavior. It also can add to the sense that some employees may have a feeling of not belonging or not being part of their team. Encouraging other employees to speak up and challenge microaggressions if they see or hear them by being an ally can help. Allyship is the practice of showing solidarity and advocating for underrepresented groups at work when witnessing discriminatory acts or comments. An ally's willingness to intervene upon hearing or observing microaggressions will make their coworkers who are part of the marginalized group feel more included and part of the team. It also sends the message to the microaggressor that their behavior or action is unacceptable. Some examples of how an employee can be a good ally include showing support without asking for anything in return, 
contributing to an environment where people feel safe sharing, being aware of their own implicit biases, and looking at how their own behaviors may have perpetuated oppression or discrimination, and learning about the history of the struggle of the oppressed by reading, listening, and gaining a deep understanding so members of marginalized groups do not feel tasked with explaining everything. As part of supporting allyship and courageous workplace conversations, it's important to praise people for calling out subtle acts of exclusion. By doing so, an employer will inspire similar behavior in the future, reduce unconscious bias, and enhance its overall inclusion efforts. Step six, broaden the discussion. While protests in the aftermath of the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others understandably placed much more focus on racially tinged comments in all forms, including at work, microaggressions can affect many groups, LGBT employees, religious groups, the differently abled, and others may suffer from microaggressions. Sometimes these microaggressions can be nonverbal as well. Michael Baran, the co-author of Subtle Acts of Exclusion, How to Understand, Identify, and Stop Microaggressions, tells a story of a blind employee who expressed frustration that he could sense his coworkers leaning against walls, silently allowing him to pass in the hallway. While the employees were trying to be respectful, the employee really wanted his coworkers to say hello, or even on your left, rather than making him feel singled out. This story is a reminder that all microaggressions require attention and should be discussed. Step seven, track behavior. An organization must keep the pulse of its employees to get the culture it wants. One way to accomplish this is to have a system in place to track how pervasive microaggressions are in the workplace and document whether the issues are improving over time. Some questions for an employer to consider asking and addressing include, how many microaggressions have been reported? Are there repeat offenders? Do new trainings need to be implemented or existing trainings modified? And are there enough questions in employee surveys about how people feel treated? Including, have you ever experienced a microaggression in the workplace? Questions about microaggressions in anonymous employee surveys may also prove effective at rooting out examples of incidents that employees perhaps were hesitant to raise one-on-one. -on -one but which nonetheless bothered them. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of HR Rescue. The opinions expressed in this program do not represent legal advice, nor should they necessarily be taken as the views of HR Shield or its employees.